Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode two of In the Game with your hosts, Jeremy and Tyson. Today, we're going to be discussing our top 15 college prospects. Yeah, you know, with the draft quickly approaching us, we figured it'd be a pretty good time to, to rank our top 2021 college prospects. You know, this is a very offensive heavy draft, and it's sort of highlighted by one player, and that's Trevor Lawrence. Well, yeah, you know, Trevor Lawrence, he's one of the greatest college prospects we have ever seen, you know, standing at 6'6", his great leadership, uh, he has all the talent in the world, he doesn't lose, he likes to win, and he's a franchise quarterback. Yeah, you know, I think everybody kind of knows that he's going first overall. I think we both have him ranked number one in our draft, I think it's obvious. And, you know, the Jags do not have to worry about their quarterback position for years, right? He's a lock. Uh, I like that he's not a flashy player. You know, he focuses on his mechanics. He never just goes through the motions. He's got incredible talent, like you said. He's got a great work ethic, and his leadership abilities are amazing. So ever since high school, you know, he's always been a winner. And I think any team would, would love to have a guy that does the most important thing, which is win. Well, I guess the Jets didn't want to do that because they decided to uh, skip the tank bowl. Yeah, I ain't that right. I'm still confused about that whole situation, but the Jags are laughing, hey? Oh, the Jags are laughing. You know, they have a great franchise quarterback in Lawrence. They got the number one pick. You know, he's going to come into that team and make a difference. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the only issue that I could find, you know, and I had to try hard to find one is, you know, will, will Trevor Lawrence, you know, really live up to the hype? Like, he set such a high bar for himself. And, you know, he'll need to have an immediate, like, rookie of the year impact for people to to not almost consider him a bust. You know what I mean? Like, it's... Well, the expectations are so high on this kid, right? He's coming out of college, and if he doesn't win off as the rookie of the year and have an amazing season and turn the Jags around, is he going to be considered to not be worth the number one pick or all this? There's so much speculation, but he's still a kid. You're going to have to let him come in. That The Jags team still needs a lot of help. Yeah, and like you said, like the help, like they got to protect him. You know, they got to build a good old line. They got to get weapons for him, and they got to make sure he stays healthy, right? Oh, of course. You know, kind of speaking of O-line here, we could uh, move on to Panay Sewell out of Oregon. Where do you have him ranked on your list, Tyson? You know, Panay Sewell is my number two player in this draft. You know, he's a 6'6", 330, absolute mauler on the offensive line. He, he'll be a great left tackle and can even have guard flexibility. He's very dominant on combo and inside blocks, and he's unreal in the run. Yeah, you know, the way I look at Sewell is he's easily the best O-lineman in this draft. I have him, you know, as my third overall player. And I think that to have a, an O-lineman ranked this high on anyone's list, you know, he's got to, he had to have shown something. You know, he's 6'5", 325, and he, he manhandles defenders, right? Uh, I believe a good O-lineman is as important as a franchise quarterback. And I think Suell brings that immediate success to your team, right? Like you, you're able to throw him in there and, and he can, you know, compete against some of the best defensive ends in the NFL. Oh, for sure. And, you know, this kid is an absolute stud. He absolutely mauls everyone he plays. And he's one of the greatest offensive lineman prospects coming out of college ever. Yeah. And he's young too, right? He has so much to learn. Like he's only, he was at Oregon for, for a little amount of time and he, he proved to be so great early. So I'm really excited to see how Sue Well is going to like transition into the NFL. So I know we uh, kind of talked about Sewell's ability to kind of move around the field. And there's one player in this draft who I think is, is easily the best weapon in this draft. And that's Kyle Pitts. You know, I have him ranked as my number two player in this draft. 
I don't think he's he's far off of of Trevor Lawrence for that you know offensive rookie of the year early predictions and and he put on a show in Florida. Oh, he's one of my favorites out of the draft. I have him ranked at number five, but he could fit so many different roles from tight end to wide receiver. And he reminds me a lot of Travis Kelsey and coming as a former quarterback to switch to tight end and, and move around. And he's still learning the role. And yeah. he's, he's so he's, you know, he's six, six, he's huge for his size and he can move outside the slot and even put his hand in the dirt. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he has tremendous hands, speed, you know, his catch radius is, is massive. You know, any quarterback would drool over a, a, a weapon like this. You know, like you said, he's able to put his hand in the dirt too, right? Pitts can block well too. I mean, this is the only transition that kind of worries me with Pitts because, you know, the step from tight end blocking in college and the NFL is big, right? But oh, I, definitely. Think, I think seeing the way he can kind of control linebackers and, and break off for routes, like it, it reminds me a lot of Kelsey, like you said. And I think in the right scheme, you know, this is a guy that can win offensive rookie of the year or, or you know all those awards at wide receiver or tight end well the thing is the tight end position is so weak in the nfl right now and you know you got your most your three top top guys and after that it's such a drop off and i could easily see him coming in and being a top five tight end of the league yeah i agree like you said you got your kelsey kittle and waller and after that like it's it's such a drop off and like you said i, I like that i think pitts really has the opportunity to, to show up with them you know he's, he's going to be up there Oh, and you know, reminding us of weapons. Let's look at uh, let's look at Chase. Oh, Jamar Chase. Yeah, this is this is one of my favorite guys in the draft. You know, LSU receiver. We know the success about LSU receivers. I got Jamar Chase right behind Sewell here at number four. I think I think he's easily a top five prospect in this draft. You know, in my opinion, he's the best well-rounded receiver in this draft. You know, a six-foot junior from LSU, and you know, he got to have Joe Burrow last year, and he popped off having. 1,780 yards and 20 touchdowns in a season. And he set some records there with, with Joe Burrow. Yeah. And I think he can definitely come into the NFL and, and show his size and, and abilities. Yeah, no, I agree. I know a lot of people are high on Devontae Smith now. You know, he, he won that Heisman Trophy. With, he won the Heisman Trophy. And a lot of people kind of forgot about Chase. But, like, before opting out of the 2020 season, like you said, he put up almost 1,800 receiving yards and 20 touchdowns. Like, that's that's insane. That's, that's close a great to, year. Yeah. yeah, that's close to Smith's Heisman Trophy winning season. So, like I said, it's I think that Jamar Chase is, is really going to have the most impact immediately in the NFL. Well, let's talk about Zach Wilson now. Let's go back to the quarterback position. Yeah, there's a few quarterbacks coming on our list here. And, you know, the, the second highest one I got ranked here is Zach Wilson. You know, I put him at number six overall. Uh, he, he did put on a show at BYU as, as last season here. You know, he showed a lot of improvement. And I think Zach Wilson is someone that, you know, can can come to the NFL and, and be fun. You know, I think that he's he has that ability to, to be good in, in a system. You know what I mean? Like, I think a guy like Kyle Shanahan would love somebody like Zach Wilson, you know. And I just – I think Zach Wilson is – is, is good skills all over the field. Yeah, you know, I have Zach Wilson as my fourth best college prospect on the board. Uh, he plays the game with, game with great athleticism. Uh, his ability to evade and escape in and out of the pocket. Uh, he's a very good in the red zone. Uh, lots of things to defend with him. You know, if you're able to scramble like that, I mean, most quarterbacks now need to be able to get out of the pocket a little bit and move. Yeah, um, you know, I, I think what prevents me from ranking Zach Wilson a bit higher is, is just, I don't think he would be a top 
prospect in other draft classes. You know, like even last year's, definitely not as good as Burrow. And I don't see him as a great prospect compared to Herbert or Tua. You know, I think I think the reason that Zach Wilson is ranked so high is just because, you know, in this draft, all these teams are kind of trying to chase Trevor Lawrence, right? But they don't really realize that this, the drop-off is so significant, right? Oh, the drop-off is huge. You know, you've never seen a college prospect almost as good as Trevor, right? Yeah. And if you look at a guy like Trevor, you know, he's number one, clear-cut, 100%. And then you can really argue Zach Wilson um, and all these other quarterbacks like Justin Fields and Trey Lance. They're all kind of fighting for who's the number two. Yeah, exactly. And that's just it. I think, I think that you know, Wilson, Lance, Fields, they're all kind of in that same area. And I think these teams are kind of grasping for nothing. And I do think that Zach Wilson is slightly overhyped in the sense that in many other draft picks or draft, you know, draft, draft classes, that, yeah, draft classes. Yeah. He wouldn't, he wouldn't be a top five pick, not even close. Well, you know, a lot of these teams here in the first round are looking for a quarterback and this is the year to get one. It's just who gets the right ones. Yeah, exactly. You know, and, and speaking of these quarterbacks, like Trey Lance, you know, I, I'm really high on Trey Lance, although I have him ranked, you know, number 17 in my in my draft, like this class, my prospect, you know, he, yeah, he yeah. did do well in North Dakota State. And I know a lot of people will disagree with me when I say this, but, you know, Trey Lance is my, he's my number two quarterback in this draft. I mean, really? potential wow. wise, potential wise. I mean, I see a lot of Cam Newton when I watched Trey Lance and we saw how high Cam Newton went in that draft. And, you know, I just think he has great arm strength, great physicality, and he's a body, you know, 6'3", 224. Like, I'm high on Trey Lance. Yeah, he has great mobility and footwork, and he reminds me like Cam Newton. Like you said, uh, he's, as a passer, he has really great arm strength, and he's able to generate a lot of velocity on his throws. He needs a little bit of help with touch and accuracy down the field on his deep throws. But if we look at a guy like you know, he reminds me of a lot of Josh Allen, you know, Josh yeah. Allen had that big cannon of an arm, but he can never be accurate with it. And he's still able to run around and move. And he, he's very good in the pocket and mobile. Uh, he reminds me a lot of Josh Allen. And, you know, I don't think he'll be that guy that immediately comes to the league and shows you that he's a top guy, but it took Josh Allen quite a few years to do that as well. Yeah. And I mean, I think that's important that you said that because you look at all these teams and they're so quick to jump away from their quarterbacks. I mean, look at Tua already. The Dolphins fans are saying, get rid of them. And it's just, it worries me because there's guys like Josh Allen where it took him a few years to get good. And now look at him. Like he's in the conversation for next year's MVP votes already. Like, it's just, if I feel like if teams can be patient with Trey Lance, he'll really develop into, into a superstar. I like you said with Tua, you know, it's the scheme. Scheme has a lot to do with how a quarterback has great success. Absolutely. And if you can't get that scheme right from maybe it's better off somewhere else taking on his talents. Right. It all depends on if you're willing to give him the time and effort and put in the effort to make him your franchise quarterback. Yeah, absolutely. Like, like we said, I think the right coaching. Yeah. Trey Lance could really blossom into a good player. Well, that reminds me a lot of Justin Fields, you know, we'll bring him up next, you know, Justin Fields coming out of Ohio. He, is he the next Dwayne Haskins? Yeah, I hope not. (laughs) I hope not. I mean, I have Justin Fields outside of my top 10. I have him ranked at number 11 here. I mean, I'm just, I'm just genuinely not a fan of him. I mean, out of respect for what he did do in college, I mean, he had a tremendous career. I do have him as high as 11, but I just, I'm not the biggest fan of Fields. You know, Fields, I have him as nine on my draft board, which some say might even be too too high. You know, like for you and us, nine and 11 might be a little too high, it should be lower. 
Yeah. Um, but I mean, he projects, he looks, he has all the abilities to be a franchise quarterback at the NFL level. Uh, he offers a blend of throwing athleticism. He's able to move around in the pocket. He had a great campaign. He still has some cracks in his play and he needs to uh, get his passing a little bit down pack, but you know, that deep ball's there. Yeah. I mean, I, I hope Justin Fields can, can develop into a good quarterback. I mean, from what I've seen, he, he seems like a good guy, good kid. And like, don't get me wrong. Fields is, he's a talented quarterback, right? Like I believe he's just very overrated in a sense, you know, from the start of people saying, you know, Fields is at the number two pick. Like I disagree. I just, I don't, I can't watch a Justin Fields tape and say, yeah, like this is a type of guy that I would take with the number two overall pick. Well, yeah, you know, we looked at Dwayne Haskins tape and he played unreal at Ohio State. You know, he looked like he was going to be that guy. And, you know, he has he's very good in the option game, I will say. But, I mean, in the NFL level, the option game is nothing the same. I mean, there are obviously a lot of teams are incorporating it into their systems. But, I mean, college option game and NFL high-velocity passing is totally different. Yeah, and I agree with that. I mean, when I look at Justin Fields, I see a guy that might peak in college. I mean, like you said, the option, it's so, so successful in college, but it's, it's hard to translate to the NFL. I mean, you look at the Ravens, right? They're doing something of their own there, but can you really compare Justin Fields and have, will he have that kind of production there? And the easy answer is no. Well, you also, you look at the scheme in the offensive line, that's all they do. You know, their power run, hard run option. And it works for Lamar because he's something we've never seen before, right? Yeah, absolutely. And at the end of the day, you know, I think Justin Fields is talented. I think he's a good quarterback, but I just, I don't see him translating well in the NFL. Now let's bring up our first corner. Where do you yeah. have our guy, uh, Patrick Sertain ranked? I got him number five. I, I was watching some film, you know, on the other side of the ball there on defense and Patrick Sertain, he's, he's a game changer. You know, he's my early lock for defensive rookie of the year. I'm a big fan of physical corners and Sertain's a perfect example of that. You know, he's, he's smart, he's got size. And I think his ability, you know, jam receivers and, and be able to go down and rock a running back. Right. It reminds me a lot of Jalen Ramsey. And I really like that. Yeah, that's, that's smart. You know, I have him at 11 or 12, uh, which is very high. I think he should be a little bit lower, but it's tough because I, I'm not a fan of corners, you know, corners can either pan out or they can be an absolute bust and be done in a year. Um, he's a highly touted cornerback from the from Alabama, and he's a former five-star recruit. And his dad played in the NFL. Uh, he has the DNA to be a successful yeah, NFL. His dad player, was right? a very successful corner, absolutely. And you know, Sertain, like when I look at him, like he's just—he's a top five pick to me. He's a top five college prospect to me. You know, Sertain allowed twenty-five or fewer yards in almost all of his games in twenty twenty, right? And I think he's just one of those guys where. You know, you start him your first game, you throw him on the outside, and he's going to he's gonna lock down, you know, anybody that comes at him. The, the thing that um, scares me about Sertan is, you know, he obviously clamps the guys, but he is having – he had a lot of trouble um, with deep speed receivers. Uh, people going in the deeper portions of the field, he surrendered a lot of throws that way, and that kind of scares me. But for the most part, everything's short. I think he could be a really good, you know, like zone coverage guy, but deeper portions of the field, he struggles. Yeah, and you know – we might as well hop into it here. You're talking about deeper and, you know, kind of a better coverage guy. And I think that's where Caleb Farley has certain kind of beat, right? I have Caleb Farley a little bit lower at number 10, but Caleb Farley locked it down at Virginia Tech. Yeah, I have Caleb Farley as the number eight prospect on my board. Um, he's still new to the position. You know, he transferred. Uh, he was a wide receiver. 
Yeah. And he brings a rare blend of physical traits and size and length and quickness. And um, the thing that scares me uh, about him, I'm not, it's tough to say because, you know, he suffered a non-contact ACL tear in 2017 that forced him to miss the entire season. And back in 2019, he missed two games to back spasms and later said he, he suffered it all year. Yeah. So that you're right. Like the ability to stay healthy and that, but I don't know. I, I think Caleb Farley's an outstanding corner. I think he's even more than that though, an outstanding athlete. Like you said, made the transition from wide receiver and, you know, we can see he's a tremendous athlete. He's able to run down the field with any receiver. And I just, the way I see it though, is Jeff Okuda had great athleticism, right? And he had a pretty lackluster year. Well, he's so. also on the Lions. So what do you expect, right? Yeah, that, that's, un- it, I, yeah. And that's, that's understood, but it's just, when I look at certain and I look at Farley, I, I think that certain not by much, but I think certain has Farley beat. I really see them as one, a one B you can't go wrong with either prospect. Exactly. And like you said, if, if a team, you know, if certain falls to 10 or whatever, Caleb Farley falls, you know, either one, you know, a team's going to be extremely grateful. They got one of these, these guys. Oh, for sure. And you know, the thing, you know, this is a very high, like you said, very high offensive draft. And this brings us into our first edge rushers of the draft. Yeah. You know, Gregory Russo, uh, I have him ranked number 12 as a prospect here. I, I think, I think he did good in Miami. And in my opinion, Rousseau is the best pass rusher in this draft, you know, pure pass rusher. That is, I, I think that like when we will talk about Quiddy pay later, but I think Gregory Rousseau has, has pass rush abilities over anybody else in this draft. You see, I like Gregory Rousseau, but it's tough. You know, I have him I actually just outside of my top 15. I'm at, I'm at 16. Uh, he's had an on-year reel in 2019, 15 and a half sacks, you know, 19 and a half tackles for loss. He popped off. Um, he opted out for the 2020 season, so we haven't seen him in a little while. But he has really eye-popping uh, physical ability, but his, he needs a little bit of work on his pass rushing skills. Um, he's got really good physical ability, but his, his skills in the pass rush, just being able to not just blow by someone, you know, you need to actually work on fine-tune your stuff. I think he could use a little bit more help. But the one thing that really is good for him is he's able to be used in multiple different, you know, formations and sets. He doesn't just have to be a uh, hand-in-the-dirt guy or a stand-up guy. He can do whatever. Yeah, you know, I, I really agree with what you said there. When I watch Rousseau tapes, I kind of see him sloppy, and I see him being very limited with his pass rush moves. And I think with the right coaching and that he, I think that he can get it done. I mean, he's six foot seven. He's a freak, right? He's a huge, huge, absolutely huge. Absolutely. And when I look at him, you know, he reminds me of a guy like Brian Burns or Darius Leonard. You know, he's got that kind of lanky, very athletic build. So I think maybe something a team could look into doing if he's interested, I guess, is, you know, shuffling him around, maybe him playing outside linebacker or something, because he's very athletic and he's not the, the thickest guy you'll see. So I think he might he might really strive, you know, as an outside linebacker with that height and with that athleticism. Yeah, it just takes time. You know, not everyone comes out of the draft and absolutely has dominant pass rush moves. You know, it's going to take time to slowly fine tune your skills and get better at it. But he's got the ability to be able to get it done. Exactly. And like, yeah, like you said, he'll develop and he'll learn. And he'll I think that he has the ability and the potential to, you know, be a top pass rusher one day. Well, that guess that brings us into the other guy, Quiddy Pay. Yeah, you know, Quiddy Pay. I'm I'm a fan of Quiddy Pay. I think that he's, you know, one of those big, strong defensive linemen, you know, 6'4, 280, and he's very athletic for his size. Yeah, I have him at the number 10 on my board. Um, I think he's an exciting prospect. Um, 
he has an extremely high ceiling in my team. I think he's the best pure pass rusher in this class. Um, I do, he does have some limitations. He's a hand in the dirt type of Ed Rusher only. He has one type of play style. You can't really move him around too much, but he is easily able to disregard and defeat blocks. Yeah. And you know, the way you said, like the way you said, he's kind of one dimensional. That's why I have him ranked a little bit lower and he's at number 13. You know, he's right after where I put Rousseau. It, it's tight, but like you said, he's a pure pass rusher. I, I, I kind of agree. I disagree there. I think that Quiddy Pay is more of a, more of a run stuffer. I think he's a much, much better kind of guy. Where you could throw inside and stuff some runs. He's, he's a bigger guy. I, I could see a team wanting him to put on some weight and just, from the tape I've seen, he excelled much better at, at stuffing the run over pass rushing. Well, yeah, you know, he would definitely need to put on some size. I mean, he's obviously in a 3-4 system. That's the best for him, you know, playing left or right end on a 3-4 system. Um, but if you're going to put him in the inside, you know, on a 4-3, um, you're definitely going to have to put on some size. Yeah, and th- that's just that's just it, right? I think throughout, you know, the history of the NFL, you know, players make transitions, right? You kind of have to change your play style from college to NFL because you fit different schemes, right? And I think Quiddy Pay, I, I think that him transitioning to more of a run stuffer would really benefit him. Yeah, no, I definitely understand that. Um, should we go into some more offensive linemen? Yeah, you know, we got Rashawn Slater. That's who I'm thinking. That's who I'm thinking you're thinking, so. Yeah, Rashawn Slater. I have him actually as the seventh prospect on the board. Um, he's a senior out of Northwestern. He's 6'4", 315, huge. He played left tackle for the Wildcats, and he meets all the thresholds to be a candidate uh, as a great, strong left tackle that instantly come into your franchise and play. Um, and, you know, that was prominent when he absolutely destroyed number two overall pick Chase Young in pass protection. Yeah, I mean, I like how you, where you have him. On my list, I've got him number seven, too. I think overall in the draft, like O-Lyman, it's becoming more and more important. And having him at number seven, I think is perfect. You know, he put on a show at Northwestern. He's an amazing tackle. I think he's often overshadowed by Sewell in a way. Some people still like him over Sewell, but I think the hype around Sewell kind of took away from what Slater's really doing. But, you know, I think he'll be another one of those guys where he'll instantly produce in the NFL. I think, yeah, like you said, he's going to instantly come in. I think he'll have a better season out of Panay Sewell. Um, I think he's the number one right out of the draft, the best, the best tackle in the league uh, coming out of the draft. And um, I'm excited. In saying that, who do you think will have a better, uh, you know, all-time sort of career, Slater or Sewell? I think Sewell just has more mobility and, and and he's younger. He has a lot more time to develop and get a little bit better. And you can shift him all across the board and he can play everywhere. And he is a little younger as well. He's still a, a kid. Yeah, you know, I, that, I, I totally get that, right? I feel like O-line is kind of one of those positions where it's hard to kind of plug you in and, and just be good instantly, right? You look at guys like Worfs. I mean, he put on an absolute show this year, but... There's other guys, you know, Jedrick Wills, who he put on a show as well, but, you know, he's, he's probably have a higher ceiling. You know what I mean? So it takes a whole career to really see what an O-lineman has done. And same with that. You know, you look at Andrew Thomas or, or Mekhi Becton. I think Mekhi Becton might have the best career out of all of them, but, you know, he's on the Jets. He kind of struggled a little bit with injuries. You know, he's still young. Like, there's time for a lot of these guys to develop. Uh, yeah. I mean, and it's not just that, but you also have to look at the rest of the offensive line. If you have the rest of an offensive line that is a top tier, it makes you look a lot better as well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it's just, it's patience is key, right, for any position. And I think it's really important that patience is is implemented with with O-Lyman. Yeah, well, let's look let's look at Christian Darrison now, you know, coming out of Virginia Tech. Um, yeah, I mean. Lots of size, lots of length. 
I, I like Christian. I think that he's obviously, you know, a little a couple of ranks lower than, you know, Slater and Sewell, but I have him at, at my number 14 spot, you know, in, in this draft. Uh, I like what you just said about him, right? You know, he's a big guy, 6'5", 315. And I think any team, you know, that's looking into one of these three tackles, they'll be very happy if Darius Southfalls them. You know what I mean? Like, I definitely see him falling out of the top 10. I don't think there's anybody that's going to take him too early, but I, I don't see him, you know, being any kind of disappointment in the league. Well, I have him as my number 11. I do think he'll fall even farther than that. I think I just have him as the number 11 in my, my draft board. Yeah, um, yeah. I just think that there's so many offensive linemen, so many this is a stacked offensive line draft. Yeah. And, you know, a guy like Christian Darrison might just get overlooked and he might fall. You know, if a guy could snag him in the 20s, they'd be laughing that they're getting almost a top 10 player in there. Yeah. No, absolutely. And he should come straight in and be an offset on the left side in pass protection, outside zone runs. You know, he's very good in the pull and connecting against like targets and, and other players. So I, I'm excited for Christian Darrison. Yeah. And I mean, it's it's an old lineman, right? There's not too much we can say about him, but there I I really believe this old line class will will be something that you know we'll we'll look back on and say, yeah, like that was that was a good class. Well, we're lucky, you know, two classes in a row with absolutely stocked offensive linemen. It's it's a good year. It's a it's a good time to be in the league if you're an offensive lineman. Yeah, absolutely. Well, do you want to get into some more weapons here? You know, I, when I think of weapons, I think of your boy Jalen Waddle. Oh, yeah, my boy Jalen Waddle. Um, you know, he is an absolute dynamic wide receiver. He's outside, in the slot, in the backfield, chess piece. He's a unique skill set. He's a smaller, wider receiver that has a well-diverse skill set, and he has an absolute jetpack of a, of a speed. Yeah, I mean, where do you have him ranked in this as your prospect here? I actually have him as number three in the class. Number three, that's bold. You know, that's bold because a lot of people think Waddle is going to be kind of like Henry Ruggs. You know, coming into this draft, very fast, explosive, you know, not a big guy. He's only 5'10", but I think Waddle for sure will, will transition better than Ruggs. And I mean, you definitely do too. Uh, I think his athleticism is very dangerous on the field. And, you know, I think the race kind of between Devontae Smith and Jalen Waddle is a lot closer than people think, right? I, I think Waddle has the potential to turn into a guy like Antonio Brown. You know, Waddle's a great route runner, great hands you know he's not afraid to come over the middle he makes contested catches you know he plays bigger than his size right oh definitely and, you know i'd love to compare him to a guy like Devonte smith after um but just saying you know jalen waddle in my opinion probably would have had a better season than Devonte smith if he played all year you know yeah you know i agree i mean waddle was on pace too right he was on pace to have a better season than than Devonte smith was and it, it will not surprise me at all if Waddle comes into the NFL and is a much better receiver than Devontae Smith is. It would not surprise me. I think, I think Jalen Waddle is a great wide receiver. You know, when I think of Jalen Waddle, uh, obviously, he, you know, he's got the speed and all that. But I definitely see him being used in a system, you know, if he was on the 49ers. You know, the 49ers have that kind of system where their wide receivers are always in the backfield. They're always running across the field, doing all this different type of stuff. And they're used in so many different ways. Yeah, I mean, we'll get, get into our mock drafts in our next podcast here and all that. But, you know, the, the 49ers, that would be a perfect fit for them. Although they do have guys like Ayuk and stuff. But Kyle Shanahan's running a great offense there. And a lot of teams are kind of going that way. So to have a weapon like Waddle that you could, you know, put all over the field would, would be huge. Yeah. Now let's right. go into Devontae Smith. I actually, yeah. I'm ranked at number 14. Where do you have him? Number 14. Ah, 
you know, I got I got Devontae Smith at eight and I had Waddle at nine. So I think Devontae Smith has just the slightest edge over him. You know, I think I think Devontae Smith's just one of those guys that are gonna go both ways. Looking at him, you know, his size, it doesn't intimidate you, right? He's what, like 170 pounds. So I think his speed and route running like tremendously makes up for it. But I know I hope Devontae Smith will turn into the the NFL KD, you know, with that lanky, that yeah. lanky look, and then he kind of just he crushes you, right? So he's he's a, he's a polished route runner. That's as simple is. as that. He just the the thing why I have him ranked so low, you know, he did win the Heisman and that, but corners at the NFL level are different. They're yeah. they're a different breed, you know. They're able to guard a lot better and. He's a polished road runner, but he can't separate very well. Oh, and that's that's like I love that point because when I was watching film on Devontae Smith, I found a, a few instances where he was jammed at the line and and he was just a waste of the play because he was so locked down, right? Being 170 pounds, if you're going against a, a physical corner like Jalen Ramsey, like it'll be hard to get that separation. And I, I think that's where I see his strength and size bringing him that disadvantage, but just seeing what he did for Alabama there, I, I, I put him just the slightest edge over, over Waddle. Well, yeah, you have to give him his respect. He won the Heisman. He had one of the yeah. best wide receiver seasons ever, right? Absolutely. He just needs to get in the scheme. You know, he needs to be like the Odell of the Giants. He needs to get into a scheme where he can get the ball quickly in his hands and show his run after catch abilities. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think uh, you had a guy you want to talk about here from Notre Dame. This is my guy. This is actually my favorite prospect in the draft beside Trevor. Uh, I'm very high on Jemaya Owusu-Koromoa. He is an impact defender at the NFL level. I think he has such a versatility and he can be used in so many different ways. I yeah. think he's, he's this year's Isaiah Simmons, but he'll actually come in there and, and play lights out. Yeah. I mean, I like you said, Isaiah Simmons, I still think Isaiah Simmons has a long run ahead of him. You know, he'll, he'll ball out, but you know, Jeremiah is a stud. I think that, you know, comparing the linebackers in this class, he's easily, you know, better than a guy like Parsons. I think, I think Jeremiah is, you know, he, he has a lot more skill, skill set, all that. I mean, he won the 2020 Buckus award, right? That's given to the, the nation's top linebacker. So, I mean, I wanted to rank Jeremiah just a bit higher than the number 15 here, but I think he just gets a little overlooked by the other talents in this draft, right? Well, that's like me, you know, he's still one of my favorite prospects. And I still have him at 15, you know, Linebacker is one of those positions that you can easily get in someone to fill. But I think the thing that sets Jeremiah Wosu-Kormora away from someone like Micah Parsons is his explosion. You know, I watch his tapes and he's a hard-hitting safety. He'll play linebacker. He'll be blitzing. He's all over the place. He's a hybrid, right? He's a weapon. He's that defensive chess piece. And I, I love that. I, I look at, like, where teams he could fit. And it's it's hard not to want him to go to a team like the Giants, right? That's my team. And I just – I see – I see this guy really, you know, being, being well-known throughout the league in a few years, like guys like Darius Leonard. Is it like, you know what I mean? I, I really yeah, think that yeah, I know what gonna, you mean. He's going to turn into that guy. See, the thing is I like a guy like him better than a guy like Micah Parsons. Who we'll talk about next, you know, a chess piece. Like you said, if you're able to use a guy all over the place, he brings a lot more value to a team than a guy that, you know, well, I'll say Micah Parsons here. He's a Mike linebacker. He's got yeah. one role and that's all he's going to do. Absolutely. And even I know a lot of people are starting to disrespect Jamal Adams, but Jamal Adams is a perfect example of that. You know, he, he can still cover. I know people disrespect that. He's still a coverage guy and he can play in the box and he can rush your quarterback. Like, I think that, you know, Owusu has that potential. Oh, definitely. That's a great comparison. 
Right, yeah, since you were mentioning it here, let's go into Micah Parsons. I know me and you both are kind of very spectacle on this guy. See, Micah Parsons is going to be a guy that's going to be the first linebacker off the board. He's yeah. going to be a guy that's going to be taken a little too early. That They think they think he's going to be a Devin White type player, right? Yeah. He, he has all the looks to be a high caliber NFL linebacker, but you know, you're not going to get a Devin White out of him. He's not that fast, speedy guy that'll go from sideline to sideline. I think he's going to this is my one wild uh, accusation, but I think he's going to be the bust of the draft. Yeah, that's funny, actually. That, that's my bust of the draft as well. You know, Micah Parsons to me is a guy who's like just too dependent on his athleticism. I kind of watch some film on him and I see he, he kind of just goes through the motions a little bit too much. And I think that, that his athleticism is only going to get him too far. And like you said, I think that, that Micah Parsons is going to be taken way too high and he's going to bust. Yeah, you know, let's talk about a guy like ETN next. This is a guy that I think is going to be the number one back out of the draft. I think he'll be the first one taken. Um, you know, he's a smaller guy at 5'10", 205, but he, he looks like he's starting to bulk up around 225 in his recent pictures. Um, what do you think about him? You know, ETN, I, I've said this time and time again, running backs aren't for me. I think that for a running back to be ranked super high and drafted super high, it's just not worth it. You know, especially when you're, you know, he's so kind of 50-50 with Najee Harris on who's better. I just think that ETN is a great prospect. I think he is, but I, I really hope nobody takes him in the first round. I don't think a running back is worth that. Well, I know, like we talked in our last podcast, you know, we talked about these running backs, you know, Led Fournette, you know, Christian McCaffrey, um, Saquon Barkley taken, and Ezekiel Elliott, all taken super high. And, you know, Ezekiel Elliott's already on his last legs, it looks like, you know, he's yeah. struggling out there. You know, Saquon can't stay healthy. Chris McCaffrey was hurt all year and Leonard Fournette was splitting carries with another running back and he was already off his original team. So if you take a look at a guy in the first round, you know, it's, it's a big pick, you know, your first round pick is going to be a big corner piece of your team. And if you got a guy that can stay healthy or stay consistent, it's tough, right? Yeah. And I mean, ETN kind of, I guess you said he put on a bit of weight, but when I first saw him, he kind of reminded me of guys like Clyde edwards Dillaire. Right. You know, Clyde was taken late and ETN will likely get taken late. They're both, you know, that smaller, that smaller guy. And I think that ETN will be a weapon. But like I said, I just hope that nobody takes him too high. Well, yeah, like you said, you know, he's got good burst. Um, he's able to he's very disciplined. He doesn't make too many bad plays. He's a good receiver, a matchup nightmare for linebackers. But yeah. he doesn't he's not the best in pass blocking situations. And, you know, we know that him and Najee Harris probably won't be taken or any running backs anytime soon taken in the top 15 ever again. Yeah. Um, but I think he's, he's still my number 13 prospect on the board. Yeah. Uh, as high as number 13. I do. I do. You know, I think a running back position, you know, if you come into your team and you provide, you, you, you got to have yeah. someone that comes in and does something. Well, right? that's the workhorse, right? That's if you got a rookie quarterback, who do you fall back on the running back? If you need a goal line touchdown, who do you fall the running back? Right. It's, it's an important position. And especially now, like guys like McCaffrey, like the position's developing. You know, these guys are, are studs, hybrids. But they're hybrids yeah, now. They're they not are. just the guy that's going to run into the middle and hope to get some holes, right? Exactly. The guy that can do so much more. Exactly. And it's just, it's, it's tough to say whether or not it's worth it to invest because like you said, the shelf life is short for these guys. And, and I just, I think, I think that these, these running backs are good, but I just, I think that they're getting a little bit too invested in. We kind of mentioned it a couple of times. We'll just touch up on it quick here. Where would you kind of rank Najee Harris? Better or worse or with ETN? It, 
I think they're both equal. You know, it depends what you want, right? Both both of them kind of bring a little bit different skill set. Um, I think Najee Harris uh, won't be the first one taken. I I, I, th- I think Etienne will be taken first, but I think both of them are going to be taken in the first round, which. I mean, like you said, you don't like that that's going to happen, but I do think that some teams will take them in the first round. Yeah. And I mean, I think Najee Harris is just a bit more one-dimensional, right? And Etienne just brings a bit more to the table. It's up for grabs, though. I, I I see a team like the Steelers maybe investing one of them, but like I said, we'll get into this mock draft sometime next week or so. But other than that, yeah, like these these are a lot of good good prospects. And I mean, it's Trevor Lawrence. That's That's who we got number one, and I think – I think this is going to be a great, great year, 2021. Yeah, and speaking of 2021 season, do you want to uh, give your early offensive and defensive rookie of the year vote? Yeah, sure. You know, um, it's going to be tough. I, I think the easy vote is for Trevor Lawrence to come in and win the offensive rookie of the year, you know, pass for a lot of yards and a lot of touchdowns. And I think that's the easy answer. But I'm going to actually go with Kyle Pitts. Yeah, you know, I actually agree with that. I was thinking you were going to go with, with Lawrence, but I think that, like you said, if I were to put a hundred dollars or it, it would obviously be Lawrence, but you know, honestly, I think Pitts is just going to, he's just going to be that guy. You know, he's going to, he's going to be there instantly. And like I said, he's, he'll line up at receiver. He'll line up at tight end and he'll, he'll instantly get stats, touchdowns, red zone threat. I think that he's really going to be an asset. I think he's going to be a matchup nightmare. I think a lot of teams are going to be struggling to try to find who guards him because you're not going to be able to put a, a linebacker out on him and outside of the coverage, right? No, definitely it's gonna, not. It's going to be, and then a little corner, is he going to be able to match up with his size, you know, seeing it's exactly. six, six, that's going to be tough for a little corner, you know, five, 10 got a guard. So it's, I think he's going to cause a lot of matchup problems. And I think he's going to be able to get a, like you said, a lot of red zone touches. Yeah. And Trevor Lawrence, like I do think he'll have an immediate impact. I think he'll be up there for voting, but I just, the Jags are still dysfunctional. You know, and they last year we saw they pounded the rock. So will Trevor Lawrence really have, you know, a statistical season like Herbert or like Burrow was on pace for? And I don't think he will. You know, I think he'll help him win. But I think that for us, you know, like we said, the answer is Pitts. Yeah, you know, and like you said with Trevor Lawrence, you know, they got a, a young guy in James Robinson that they're going to love to pound the rock with. And, you know, they, they still need some help at wide receiver. You know, LaVisca Chenault and DJ Chark are good options, but – you know, they're not that number one guy that you can just constantly go to, right? Yeah, exactly. And that's that's just it. But what about defense? I think I know who you're going to say, but I'll let you go ahead. See, defense is tough. I'm, I would love to say Jeremiah, but I don't think he'll be he'll be in there first year. I think first year it'll just be a learning curve where they're going to want to put him. Um, I think early predictions is Quiddy Pay. Yeah, I actually, I do like that a lot. He, he reminds me a lot of Quinn Williams in a sense with, his ability to stop the run. And I, I, I like that. That's a great that, comparison. I'll tell you that. That is a very good comparison. Yeah. You know, I think that just like you said, and Quinn Williams kind of gets brushed under the rug because he's on the jets, but I think, you know, he's, that's just, I think that's who he is. I think Quiddy pay definitely has it in him to get, to get a few defensive uh, rookie of the year votes. And the hardest, leaning, go, go ahead. ahead. No, go ahead. Uh, let me tell you here about what you think. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm just leaning a bit more towards Patrick Sertan or Sertan. I just, I think that his ability to be physical, you know, to cover and to, you know, he had a pick six or whatever, he touched on. So I think just, he's going to be a guy that a lot of people love, you know, like Jeremy Chin, where he was all over the field. I think that Sertain is really going to, you know, hone in and become an elite corner instantly. So that's my early defensive rookie of the year vote. 
The, the hardest part, I think, about, you know, a corner winning defensive player of the year is they're not always going to be playing the number one guys. They're going to be constantly thrown into different scenarios based on what they think. And they're not going to be used all the time, right? They're, yeah. they're still going to they're still gonna have to learn to play against NFL caliber receivers 24-7. Yeah. And I think it's all going to depend on, on what team he goes to. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, this is just our top 15 to 20. You know, how many times have third round, fourth round, undrafted guys won, you know, these awards? So well, look at James Robinson. He always exactly. out there this year, right? Yeah, and that's just it. You know, it's going to be interesting on draft day to see who goes where and what happens. And, you know, we really don't know until the end of the season because, you know, the NFL is, is something else where there's guys that come in from late rounds and they really put on a show. Well, yeah, you know, with the draft coming up here at the end of April, um we're excited and uh if you tune into next week's episode we're going to be discussing our mock drafts so thanks for listening and see you guys next week yeah see you guys